just as in the words of the psalm, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So we're in the Easter season last week, Easter Sunday, when we heard again uh, the story of the empty tomb, and we, uh, as it were, go in heart and mind to the garden there to find uh, not uh, a corpse and a place of death, but actually a place of life and hope. And in the weeks that follow, uh, we are encouraged to uh, listen to the uh, encounters that the risen Jesus had with his disciples and people uh, round about him. Uh, and it's, it's really uh, wonderful that the season of Lent, which leads up to Easter, lasts 40 days. And that's a time uh, of uh, prayer, reflection, of uh, perhaps fasting, giving things up and so on. Uh, it's, uh, it's not an easy time, Lent. And we are encouraged at the end of it to go through Holy Week all the way to the cross and then to the empty tomb. That lasts 40 days. Easter lasts for 50 days. And Easter is the time when we celebrate, when we rejoice together, when we say Christ is risen. And in our services and in our, uh, in our individual uh, devotions, prayers, reading of scripture, we're encouraged, we're encouraged, as I say, to spend time in these amazing stories, particularly at the end of the Gospels, where the risen Jesus meets with different people in different ways. And we get um, really a couple of those stories uh, today in our, uh, the reading that Dareth has read for us. The first happens on the evening of the first Easter day, uh, and uh, the disciples are behind locked doors, they're frightened, and Jesus comes and stands amidst them. Um, uh, we don't know how that happened. Uh, the Gospels are not uh, scientific uh, sort of uh, uh, textbooks, uh, so we don't know how Jesus appears. Um, you know, it's tempting to, to think of him as a superpower coming through a sort of uh, doors and, and so on. But we're simply not told. But we are told that the risen Lord Jesus appeared. And he says to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he shows them his hands and his side. He wants them to know that it is him. He wants them to know that he is real. He wants them to know that however different he is, he's also the same. The same but different. And we're told in those first few verses that they start in fear. Jesus appears, speaks peace, shows them his hand and his side, breathes on them, and they are overjoyed. He transforms them from people who are fearful to people who are overflowing with joy. It is, in those few verses, a, a little sort of a description of what the touch of the risen Jesus does, transforming someone from being locked in their fear to being overjoyed and empowered by the touch of his new life. The problem is 
that one of them missed it. We'll never know why Thomas wasn't there. Okay, we will never know. All that we're told was that he was not there. And Thomas has, down the years, had something of a, a bad reputation. He's been called Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Uh, but actually, he, I, th I think he should be called Honest Thomas. Okay? Because really, he just says what probably everybody else was thinking. He says, this is nonsense. Okay? Dead people don't rise. I'm not believing what you're saying until I can put my hands into his into, into the nail marks until I can touch and feel his side. In other words, until there's some proof, okay? And there's a bit of that in all of us, isn't there? There's a bit of that in all, all of us. We would probably call it a healthy skepticism. I'm not taking this secondhand. I want to see it for myself. A week later, must have been quite a weird week, quite a long week, but a week later, they are gathered together again. And this time, Jesus is with them. Uh, sorry, this time Thomas is with them and Jesus appears. And again, we don't know how, we don't know quite what the dynamics in the room are, but the implication is that he makes a beeline for Thomas. And you can almost imagine Thomas going, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. And he's standing in front of him. He's standing in front of him. Wonderful words. Put your finger here in my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. We're not even told whether Thomas did it. Maybe just the sight of the risen Lord in front of him was enough. And the next words are beautiful. My Lord and my God. It's finished. It's done. He can see who Jesus is. And in those five words... Thomas places his faith in the risen Lord, my Lord and my God. And Thomas has the privilege in this gospel, in John's gospel, of being the first person to openly and clearly declare that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is the word made flesh. Remember those beautiful words that John begins with? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you go all the way through the Gospel, and here, right at the end, Thomas looks at him and says, My Lord and my God. The resurrection has proved that Jesus is who he said he was. My Lord and my God. So what does this amazing encounter remind us? What does it remind us of? What does it teach us? Some simple truths. Firstly, firstly, it reminds us that the heart of our faith is to realize who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. 
ultimately, the Christian faith stands or falls with him. With him. Either he is who he says he is, in which case something so mind-blowing, so revolutionary, so top-turning has happened that all of creation is touched by it. Or he is not. And then we can set him aside just as another good teacher. But if he is God in human form, if he is the Word made flesh, if he is the Lord come to enter into all that we encounter, then this is unique. This is different. This is God's answer to the mess and the malaise that we find ourselves in. And the whole of the New Testament points us, doesn't it? Whether it's in the Gospels or the letters or the book of Revelation, however it is, it points us to Jesus. Consider him. He is at the center of everything. Thomas found him and said, my Lord and my God. If we are someone who has been able to find Jesus without having or needing one of these type of experiences, then we are in, you are in, we are in a really privileged position. Because Jesus goes on to say, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If we have been able to find our way to Jesus, to realize he is the word made flesh, to realize that he is God in human form, if we have been able to find our way there without one of these type of experiences, then it's almost as if the Lord looks at us with great joy and delight and pride and blessing. And he says, you are amazing. You have not seen like Thomas seen, saw, and yet you believe. Well done. Blessings on you. But if we are somebody who does need some proof, either one-off to say yes or no, am I going to follow you, or because we are going through something particularly difficult and it feels like he's deserted us. If we are in that category, then this story tells us we are in good company. And just as Thomas said, I will not believe unless... We may also need to say, I will not believe unless I see. And if you're in that position, and I guess all of us have been in that position at some point, can I say, keep saying that prayer. Keep saying that prayer. But then do what Thomas did. Because I think what some people do is they say that prayer and then they shut their eyes and they shut their ears and they put their heads down and they just carry on and they give God very little chance to speak. 
Now, don't get me wrong. God is perfectly able to speak. But Thomas stayed with the disciples. He did not say, you're all a load of nutters, I'm off. He stayed with them. So a week later, and it was only a week, and I guess many of us will have had to have waited much longer, a week later, he received what he was looking for. If you, I, we are in that place where we are desperate for God to turn up, to speak, to prove that he is there, to prove that he is real, to prove that he has not forgotten us, then say the prayer, unless you do, I will not. Unless I see, I will not. But then stay. Stay with his people. Stay with his word. Stay with his worship. Stay with his bread and wine. Stay with him and wait. And see what he does. God is no man's debtor. He will speak and he will communicate and he will bless. I'm sure many of you will have stories when you have asked that prayer and perhaps you have waited for days and weeks and months and maybe even years. Perhaps you went into churches and asked, Lord, please speak. Perhaps you went and, and, and walked through beautiful fields and tried to find God in, in flowers and things like that, which I love, don't get me wrong. But then God turned up in a weird and wonderful way and confronted you and spoke to you. And you were able to say, my Lord and my God, if you are in that place now, please know you are in good company. Thomas made his challenge, but then he stayed and waited. If you are in that place, make your challenge and then stay and wait. And may he bring you to that place where you can say, my Lord and my God. Amen.